Hi, everybody. This is Tyler Martin, the host of the Friction Factor Fitness Podcast, the podcast that is dedicated to teaching busy people how to develop lifelong fitness habits and fit sustainable diet and exercise into their life. In this episode, we're going to be talking about why most people struggle to exercise on a consistent basis. And you're going to learn about a concept called friction. And specifically, you're going to learn how friction is probably preventing you from being able to exercise on a consistent basis and meet your exercise and fitness goals. And we're going to begin to discuss how you can eliminate friction from the process of exercising to make it easier to do on a regular basis. And then in future episodes, we're going to continue this theme and look at many different ways that you can eliminate friction from the exercise process so that you can really build sustainable long-term exercise habits. So if you find the exercise suggestions and, and concepts and themes helpful, please subscribe because there's going to be a lot more content coming through that you will probably find helpful. So let's jump right in. Before I start to talk about some of the ways that people struggle to fit exercise into their life, I want to just give you a quick glimpse of who I am. You're, you're probably wondering, who is this Tyler Martin guy and you know, why should I listen to what he has to say about fitness? So my background, first and foremost, is that of an athlete. I was a high school wrestler and also competed on the collegiate level and then after that got into coaching for a number of years. And this really set my base of fitness and definitely set my valuing of fitness. Fitness is something that's really important to me. It's something that I see is an enabler of a better type of life. It changes the way that I'm able to engage with the world and gives me lots of different options. And I know this is just going to increase as I progress and, and get older. The type of life that is available to me to live is going to be much enhanced if I'm able to stay fit throughout the course of my life. And so I really view fitness as a life enhancer overall. And so that's kind of the perspective that I developed through the course of being an athlete. But as I, I made the transition from being an athlete to becoming a professional when I finished up school and started to build my marketing career, got married and you know started to live more of a normal life, what I realized is that the way that I had been maintaining my fitness as an athlete for years and years was no longer going to be compatible with this new type of life that uh, I was beginning to live. And it's probably, it probably looks similar to the, the type of life that most busy people live. Whether you work long hours, run your own business, have a kid, have multiple kids, have a significant other, dogs, cats, all the above, life gets busy, right? And what I was starting to see was that spending hours and hours a day on fitness, which is what you do when you're an athlete, is not going to be something that I was going to be able to to continue um, and juggle all the other priorities of my life. So I needed a better solution. And this is when I really started to get interested in the mechanics of, of fitness. And so Probably around 2012 is when I decided I need to build a better way for myself. So I started trying lots of different fitness solutions. So I tried different exercise processes. I did exercise in gyms, in my house. I exercised in my garage and outside. 
I tried exercising with a partner and with a group and many more different options. From a nutrition perspective, I tried traditional calorie counting. I tried paleo. I tried keto, vegan, Mediterranean. I tried low-carb diets and high-protein diets and the high-carb approach. I tried a high-fat approach and so on. So I tried all kinds of different solutions in order to find something that was going to require less of my time and energy that I, so that I could fit fitness into my busy life and still have the physique and all of the good things that come with, with being fit, but also be able to, to continue to pursue my career and you know have time to spend with my wife and do all the things, the other things that were important to me. So after a lot of trial and error, I started to see some commonalities throughout you know, all of these different programs and approaches, and I, I started to be able to identify some principles that became helpful. And I, and I did finally begin to formulate a process that really worked for me, that enabled me to pursue fitness in a way that was going to be sustainable with a busy lifestyle. And that's when I really became committed. Probably this is around late 2015, early 16. This is when I really became committed to this idea. And I, I thought that, hey, I, I have something here that, that is applicable to not just my life, but everyone's life for anybody that's busy, that wants to learn to fit fitness into a busy lifestyle. And so I started to try to put all this information that I had learned and get it into a format that would be shareable with other people. So I decided I wanted to write a book about how to pursue fitness when you live a busy life. And that's what I've been doing for the last several years. And throughout this process, I also became certified as a personal trainer in addition to doing tons of research as I went through the book writing process. So hopefully that gives you a sense of my background, my history with fitness, and what gives me some some credibility hopefully that makes you want to listen to what I've got to share. All right, so now let's start to jump into some of these these big questions. The first one is why do most people fail to make diet and exercise a regular part of their everyday life? And for most busy people, the answer is that it's a lack of time and energy to devote to diet and exercise. That is the reason that they struggle to do these things consistently. So as an example, so many people sign up or make some kind of a commitment to getting fit, improving their fitness every January around right after New Year's. People set these New Year's resolutions and they usually overcommit when they do this. So Imagine someone who, and maybe you've done this, says, I'm going to go to the gym every day, seven days a week for an hour after work. I'm going to commit to, to making this a habit. And so many people do this. And when you look at the data, it's, it's so fascinating to see how consistent this is. That all, It's almost like clockwork. Every year, millions of people come up with some kind of commitment like this. And it turns out that usually by month three, so sometime, sometime by March, most of those people 
Uh, at least half, probably more than half of those people have already given up on their commitment. And by the five-month mark, almost all of them have decided to either slow down or completely give up on their goal. And and this is something that I think is really indicative of the problem is that you, people are not able to fit these commitments into their life in any kind of sustainable way. So let's talk about wh- why is this? Why are so many people struggling to fit diet and exercise into their life? And the reason for this is friction. So friction is a concept that that I use, that I've coined, but what friction is, is the inefficient use of time and energy. In other words, the processes that people are utilizing in order to attain fitness require too much time, too much energy. It's very clear for me, just anecdotally, looking at my own life, it was very clear that this was the issue. And this problem of friction is something that that you can actually see empirically. So you can look at all kinds of different surveys and studies that are done. They come out every year. There's usually a lot of press around these two. So you'll see articles that come out in Newsweek and other publications that say, you know, why you can't stick to an exercise routine or why most people fail to continue to go to the gym or top 10 reasons why people say exercise is is so difficult to to maintain. And when you look at these reasons that people give for not being able to consistently exercise or consistently diet or both, almost without fail, at the very top of all of these lists, in no particular order, it sometimes it's it's flip-flopped, but not enough time and not enough energy to do these things, those are always two of the primary reasons on the list, and they're usually at the top or very near the top, and it's it's pretty consistent across all of this different research. So it's pretty clear that friction is the primary b- barrier to being able to develop these long-term fitness habits, and it was, it was clear to me, so not just from the research, but f- through my own life, I, I knew that this was a challenge that I was facing. And the problem with most of the solutions that people select, and this this was my case, I was trying to follow the type of exercise routines and the type of dieting strategy that I learned as an athlete. The problem was that these, these methods were not compatible with the type of life that I was living. So... This is something that you see when you look at, I think, most of the fitness solutions on the market today is that they weren't designed to be really compatible with a person's busy life. Most of them have some other theme, so they're centered around being exciting, being fun. You know, right now, group fitness is really in vogue, so fitness classes that are centered around sports, so there are boxing fitness classes and ballet-themed fitness classes and all kinds of different, I don't want (laughs) to offend people, but gimmicky types of workouts that are exciting in the short run. But I think if you ask most people, hey, do you think you're still going to be going to that dance-inspired exercise class five years from now, 10 years from now? I think if most people are honest with themselves, they're going to say, no, probably not. So you may be able to keep up your commitment for a while, and you may even enjoy it, and it probably will be effective. But at some point, things will change. Your circumstances will change. So maybe you 
get a new job that requires you to work late hours. And so now you can't go to that spin class after work because you can't make the time. Or maybe you move to a different place and they don't offer that same system or they don't offer that class. Or maybe you have a baby and that totally throws off your schedule and now that class is no longer an option. So there are all kinds of reasons. There are all kinds of things that just develop and happen in the course of life that can really derail the way that a, a lot of these solutions fit in. So the problem really is compatibility that most systems are not designed with being efficient, with, with maximizing the use of time and energy in mind. And so it makes it really difficult to find a solution that is compatible in the long run with a busy life. So now that you've got a good idea of what friction is and how it is a challenge or creates barriers to making exercise a normal part of your daily routine, Let's talk about the benefits that you get when you find ways to remove friction from your exercise processes. So the biggest benefit by far that you get when you can find ways to remove friction is you enable yourself to be able to build habits. And why are habits so important? The number one thing is that forming habits are actually a massive way in themselves of removing friction because they automate certain types of behavior. And so in other words, you are able to perform different types of behaviors without having to think about them, without having to expend a whole lot of psychological effort in order to go through those procedures. So let's look at an example. I, I like to use the example of brushing your teeth. Brushing your teeth is something I consider to be a low friction activity. So think about what's required when you need to brush your teeth. They're, they're just a few steps. You have to walk into your bathroom. You have to find your toothbrush. You have to put toothpaste on the brush, and you can then begin to start to brush your teeth. So there's just a few easy steps. All those steps just take a few seconds. And so there, there isn't much time or energy required to get into the actual behavior of brushing your teeth, which is what you want to do. So this is something that most people don't have to think about it. It's habitual. They do it every morning and every night without having to expend a lot of psychological bandwidth, a lot of thinking, because the steps for this activity of brushing your teeth are something that you have, have ingrained in your subconscious. You don't have to consciously think about, okay, what's the next thing I need to do? What's the next thing I need to do? You just know what to do and you can go through the motions without really having to do much thinking. That's the place you want to get to when it comes to exercise behaviors. And when you can remove friction from the process, it makes it much more likely that you're going to repeat these behaviors on a consistent basis. And that's the key to habit formation. When you are able to perform a behavior on a consistent basis over time, you build up a habit and you have to, you gradually are able to spend less and less mental bandwidth thinking about the behavior and you're able to just do, if that makes sense. So you want to be able to develop fitness habits, exercise habits, right? The, the problem is that most of them have so much friction entailed in the process that they're hard to repeat. And then that makes it very hard to build up habits. So this is really the goal is if you can find ways 
good behaviors that are low friction exercise behaviors, they're more repeatable. And when they're more repeatable over time, they're easier to turn into habits. And that's the holy grail. When you can turn low friction exercise behaviors into habits, they become even easier to maintain because you don't have to think about them. So that's the place that you really want to get to, turning low friction exercise behaviors into a repeatable habit that you can stick with for the long term. So just to illustrate the way that friction can become a huge barrier to performing a behavior consistently and ultimately forming a habit, let's stick with our brushing your teeth example and and imagine what it would be like if brushing your teeth weren't such a low friction activity, if it was much harder to engage in the behavior. So I like to use the example of imagine that brushing your teeth isn't something that you could do in your house. What if in order to brush your teeth, you had to actually schedule an appointment at a dentist's office and commute to go see a dentist and sit in a waiting room and check in and fill out forms and then go back and see the hygienist, see the dentist. You know, it's a process that probably takes an hour to 90 minutes to get through. If that's what was required to get your teeth clean every day, I love to ask people this question. How frequently do you think that you would skip brushing your teeth? It's kind of gross, I know, but I, I think this really illustrates the problem that friction brings because I think if you're honest with yourself, you recognize, I bet I would skip brushing my teeth fairly regularly because that's a pretty lengthy, time-intensive, energy-intensive process to have to get in my car, to schedule the appointment, to drive to the dentist, to sit in the waiting room, to go through the whole process versus a step that just takes a minute or two in your home and all of a sudden you're brushing your teeth and then you you can move on uh, about your day. So there, there's a radical difference between the low friction activity of brushing your teeth that we all experience and this thought experiment of I have to schedule an appointment and go all through these lengthy steps in order to get my teeth clean. If if the latter were true, if you, if you really did had to go see a dentist to get your teeth clean, it would be much more difficult to do on a repetitive basis. And so therefore, it would be much, much harder to turn that activity into a habit, and it just compounds the amount of friction in the process. So hopefully that just makes even more clear why it's so important that we find ways to remove friction from exercise processes, because the removal of friction will enable you to build habits much more efficiently. Okay, so now let's get to some recommendations. I'm going to make what I think is probably the most impactful recommendation that I think people can follow to eliminate friction from exercise so that it becomes much more easy for them to build a consistent exercise habit. So the top thing that I think that most people can do to take friction out of their exercise process is to find ways to exercise at your home. So whether that's in a garage or a basement or a spare room or you know if you've got a, a loft over your over your um, attic, whatever it might be, make a space to work out in your home and make that the place where you do your exercise because it's it's probably the number one way to remove friction. The reason for this is that 
the commute, the travel time, all of the steps involved, if you think back to the example we just gave of, of going to the dentist, it's very similar. So if you're trying to exercise on a repetitive basis and exercise for you entails packing up your bag, loading up the car, making a 10-minute, 20-minute, for some people it's more than that, 30-minute, 40-minute commute out of your way to a gym, and then you get to the gym, and then you have to check in, and you have to put your stuff in your locker, and you have to change clothes, and then you have to walk out. Maybe you have to wait in line for equipment. There, there's so many things that you have to do before you can actually get into the act of actually exercising. That, that is a significant amount of friction, and it doesn't stop there. So once you've gotten through your workout, then you have to check back out, pack your bag back up, commute back home or back to the office. When you look at the full length of time that's involved in the whole process, not just the length of your workout, but the length of the entire process of, of getting into exercise, you're talking about at least an hour. And that's if you have a gym relatively close. If you're someone that either lives in a big city with horrible traffic or someone who's in a more rural area that has to travel a longer distance to get to an exercise facility, you're talking about maybe 90 minutes, maybe even more than that to, to complete a session of exercise. And all of the side activities that that entails could easily take 90 minutes to two hours. And so if you ask yourself, you know, how repeatable is that for me? Are you going to be able to do this three days a week, four days a week, consistently for a lifetime? You know, not for six months or for a couple of weeks in order to, to hit some short-term goal. But if you're trying to live a healthy lifestyle and make exercise part of the way you live, how compatible is that with all the other things you have going on in your life, all of your other priorities with work and kids and hobbies and errands and obligations? Other things are going to conflict with your ability to carve out 90 minutes to two hours to, to pack up and go to the gym and come back home and take care of these, these other necessities of life. So I, I think that it, it's, it's pretty clear if you're honest with yourself. Of course, there, there are benefits to going to a commercial gym facility. You have access to perhaps trainers. You've got access to equipment that you don't have at home. There are other things like groups and partners that can be facilitated at a gym that you probably can't do in a home setting. I just think if, if most busy people think about it honestly, all of those benefits are probably far outweighed by the benefit that you can get by being able to quickly you know, put on your gym shorts and your, your workout gear and go to your workout space in your home and get right into the act of exercise. When you compare that with all of the steps required to go somewhere else to exercise, it's not even close from a time and energy perspective. You, I do a quick 20-minute workout every day. It takes me a few minutes to put on my shorts, put on my workout clothes, go down to my basement, that's my home gym, get through my workout. I mean, the whole process takes 30 minutes and then I'm on, I can get on with my day. And this is something that I've been doing on a consistent basis for well over 10 years. And I, I fully, fully expect I'll be doing this for the rest of my life in some form or fashion. So I, I, th I think that 
it, it's tough to argue that this isn't the most efficient way to exercise if you know what exercises to do exactly what program to follow, which are things that we'll cover and talk about in other episodes of the podcast. But that's the recommendation that I'm going to make for the average busy person. If you want to make exercise a habit, I don't think there's any one thing you can do that's going to be more impactful at helping you form that habit than finding a way to exercise consistently in your home. So that's the one big recommendation I'll make in this podcast. And as I said, we're going to get, there's so much more detail around that. How do you pick the right space? How do you ensure that you've got the right equipment or know the right types of exercises to do in your home? What if you have very limited space? If you live in a small apartment or condo, are there ways to make it work in a, in a smaller environment like that? The answer is yes. And we'll do much more of a detail deep dive in future podcasts about all of these other topics. But at a high level, I just want everyone to understand and start to think about this idea of working out in the home and how it is an enabler of habit building. Habit building, as I mentioned before, is really the holy grail when it comes to living a healthy lifestyle long term. All right, so that brings us to the end of the podcast today. I want to quickly just give a recap of everything that we've talked about. So, Remember, most people, especially busy people, fail to exercise consistently because of friction. And friction is the inefficient use of time and energy that are somehow in your exercise process, whether it's in the exercise procedure itself or all the activities that are required for you to be able to exercise. So the goal for anyone who is trying to find ways to exercise more consistently is to find ways to eliminate friction from their exercise process. And what that enables you to do is be able to form habits. And habits are what make exercise behaviors repeatable for a lifetime. So that's what you really want to aim for. And the one big recommendation that I made in this podcast is if you can find ways to exercise at home, you will enable yourself to build habits much more easily because of the likelihood that you're going to be able to engage in your exercise behavior consistently is going to go up when you eliminate all the steps that are required to travel to a remote location, to a commercial facility that's away from your home. So that's the big recommendation that I'll leave you with. And again, there's so much more to just exercising in your home that we'll cover in other podcasts. And we're going to get into even more ways to eliminate friction from exercise processes in future episodes. So be sure to tune in to the next episode where we'll be talking about some of the other top ways that you can remove friction from exercise and learn to build lifelong exercise habits. Thanks again for listening to the Friction Factor Fitness Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or got value out of it, please subscribe, please like, and please share with others who you think may get some value out of the podcast. Also, please visit the website, frictionfactorfitness.com, where you can access more content, articles, and learn about my book, The Friction Factor, The Busy Person's Guide to Sustainable Diet and Exercise, which is going to be launching in March of 2023. Thank you again, and stay tuned for more content.